So I went in um, the next Monday at 8 a.m. and just sat my manager down and was just like, yeah, I got to I gotta go for this. I'll definitely like regret it later on in life if I don't. Mm. And so I just quit. And then... Welcome back to Young Smart Money. My name's Apple Kreider and I'm your host. So a lot of us have heard about using credit cards in order to travel for free or at least very, very reduced rates. And today I sort of wanted to break down exactly how that works. So we've got a guest, very special guest who knows a lot about this topic. It hits home for him. His name is Jeff Seckinger and he has scored some serious, serious uh, travel deals and, and flown places for free that I could not even imagine that he's going to get all into in this episode. He's also going to talk about how how he got started entrepreneurially, how he built an Amazon business from scratch and started scaling up. We've got a ton to cover in this episode. And before we do, if you've gotten some value out of Young Smart Money and it's helped you on your journey, please do consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. It really does help us reach more people with the show and it helps you hear from even more amazing guests. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Jeff, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I am doing just fantastic. So for those of our listeners that aren't familiar with who you are and what you do, could you give a brief sort of overview on what you're up to right now? And then we're going to dive more into specifics from there. Yeah, man. So I do quite a few things. First of all, I run a digital marketing agency and we have a few different niches that we specialize in. Uh, We have a few employees as well, but we focus on real estate and healthcare providers. So like doctors, dentists, chiropractors, And then we're really getting into the real estate niche, which is where we're going to specialize in. I'm also a financial consultant for entrepreneurs and where I've started recently and where I've been really focusing is credit. And so I focus like on personal credit and then business credit. And I just teach them how to leverage credit correctly to scale their business and to scale their lifestyle. So that's really what I focus on a lot is, is the credit aspect of finance. Awesome. And I mean, I'm super interested in credit. That's where I really got started with my YouTube channel was just making videos on different credit cards and different strategies that people could use to start building their credit at a young age. And it sounds like you've got your feet in a lot of different places right now between your stuff with credit, between your stuff with social media. So I'm really excited to get into it. So first off, where did you sort of get started with entrepreneurship? Can you talk a little bit about your experience with entrepreneurship at a young age? Yeah, man. So it started really young. I, you know, I did the whole lemonade stand thing when I was really young and then went into like baseball cards. And then, you know, I would like clean my parents' houses for, I got to clean like baseboards for like 25 <laughs> cents, like a room. And then, so I was always like trying to find ways to make money. And then in high school, I managed a landscaping company. Managed with really? Four, yeah. With like four of my buddies. And, you know, we'd put like flyers out to the neighborhoods around us and we did, we did pretty well. Um, from there, I went into college and while in high school, I held a job that whole time. I actually worked at an Italian restaurant and I played three sports and like football, lacrosse and basketball. Wow. So I was really busy. And then like in the summer was when we ran that, that landscaping company. Mm-hmm. So then I went into college and really kind of focused on school the first couple of years. And I went, you know, to get my finance degree, minor in economics and international business. Wow. And um, from there, um, I ran a few e-com stores, mostly on Amazon. Hmm. So what we would do is we would go to outlet malls. Okay. There was like three around us, like within like a, you know, like a two hour radius. Okay. And we go buy discount shoes and we get those shoes like Adidas and Converse and, 
different brands and we would sell them on Amazon and, and make that margin. And it was uh, actually very profitable. Um, it's gotten wow. a lot more competitive recently. Yeah. Um, and then once it started to get a little bit more competitive towards the end of my college career, um, I kind of built a relationship with um, vendors that use Patagonia. I started selling Patagonia merchandise and that did really well, especially like this time of year or, you know, oh, I bet. October, November, December. Yeah. So that did really well. And then, um, after that, I kind of jumped into my career, which I don't know if you want me to touch on, but those were most of my entrepreneurial ventures from there. Sure. Uh, one thing I didn't mention was, um, so when I was in my junior year in college, I went abroad to uh, Sydney, Australia. Wow. And I worked for this consulting firm and they did, so they did tax for personal and business. And then they also had like wrote business plans. It was like pretty much a holistic consulting firm. They did wealth management as well. Hmm. So I learned a little bit about like wealth management um, cause I knew like that was the area I want to get into, but they had me doing a lot of the tax and business plan writing. Okay. And so I learned how to like write business plans for startups. I was wow. just like working on like the small, like startups, mostly international startups. And then I came home and I was like, you know, I might as well use this skill that I just acquired to make money. So then I started like after the whole Amazon thing ended, I started writing business plans for startups and it was really just like a referral basis. But that was like my real, like first real business where, you know, I was making like good money and it was project based instead of like just selling little yeah. items for margins. So yeah, that was like, that's pretty much been my entrepreneurial journey up until graduating. And then, you know, I got a job. I don't know if you want me to touch on that. Yeah, sure. What do you, yeah. Where'd you get a job at? Yeah, so um, went through a pretty extensive interview process with a lot of big banks. Yeah, uh, you know, my senior senior year. First of all, I had internships mm -hmm. with like Fifth Third's private bank, and then I um, Forrester's Financial, a few other ones. And then uh, I went to right when I graduated, I went and got a job with J.P. Morgan. Okay, up in uh, Columbus, Ohio. I actually worked in the biggest corporate office in the United States behind the Pentagon. So wow. it's like, it's literally like 2 million square feet and like tens of, it's, there's 12,000 people there. So Unreal. pretty ridiculous. But yeah, it was, it, I was in an operations position and like my whole career, I knew I wanted to get into finance and wealth management because that's just, you know, at an early age, my dad got us thinking about investing. Like at 16, he made a competition between me and my sisters where like we got to pick different stocks. I think we both, we all got like a thousand dollar budget and we got to pick these stocks and like whoever did the best at the end of the year would get more money to put in their account. And wow. like we just let those like grow over time. We haven't touched them, but that's like what got me interested in it. So I knew I wanted to get into finance and I got this job with this, you know, in operations and it was, it was a step below the private bank. So it's still like private wealth. Like our minimum client had to have, you know, 250 K with us. And I learned a lot about like portfolio management. I was doing, you know, making trades for them. So I was talking with the advisors and the portfolio managers and get to see how, like how the accounts performed. And then I would, you know, create performance reports quarterly and um, annually. And uh, we move, move cash. We, 
turn accounts from um, a single account to a joint account. We turn them into the trust. So I learned a lot there. And, uh, but towards the end of it, I just was like, I was just like, this corporate life is not for me. <laughs> like, I can't do this. And I'm looking at finance, especially wealth management. The fees are going down. So I'm watching the fees go down every, like every quarter our fees were like shrinking. Yep. And then I'm talking, you know, through my internships and like some of my mentors, I, you know, they, they talk about the amount of time that it takes to build a real book of business. It's really like a five year process before you start making good money. Wow. And then like, I'm thinking like from five years from now, the fees are going to be like a lot smaller. So like, how am I, like, I don't even want to, I don't want to settle for a couple hundred thousand and like work my ass off for someone else. So I was like, um, at one, one point I was like debating quitting for a while and I started my own company, which was part of it was, um, it's a consulting firm. Part of it was the business plan writing. So I still do that, but we kind of evolved into digital marketing and that's, um, what we're kind of specializing in now. But I, I declared some of that. Uh, so I declared an outside business with the firm that I was with and they pretty much told me that I couldn't do it because I would be a competitor because we had like a financing aspect yep. to the consulting firm. And they pretty much like wouldn't tell me what I had to change in order <laughs> to keep the business. And it came down to the point where they were just like, um, it's either like the business or this job. So I went in um, the next Monday at 8 a.m. and just sat my manager down and was just like, yeah, I got to I gotta go for this. I'll definitely like regret it later on in life if I don't. Mm. And so I just quit. And then I've been running my company since then and just started getting diving into credit real heavy. The funny thing was like when I declared that outside business activity, mm -hmm. apparently, so this was, I was like started personal branding a little bit before that I declared right. it. And apparently they were like, really, they watch your social media heavy. Oh, so I was talking about like, I just, I just like finance. So I just talk about finance all the time. And when I declared my outside business activity, they like sit you down in a room and like go over the information based on like your business. And they were like, they started asking me questions that were different, you know, like they weren't, they weren't relating to my business. And I was like, okay, what's going on? <laughs> and then, um, Finally, she was like, started like bringing up my Instagram and I was just like, okay, this is pretty lame. Like she was saying like, it's an investment advice, like stuff that I was, and I was talking about credit and stuff and uh, you can't provide investment advice depending on like the role that you have. And, um, so yeah, that, I guess that was like a liability, even though investment advice, like the real definition of it is to provide like a strategy or an option for a specific person. And that's yeah. not what I was doing. I was just give, giving broad context into like investments and, and credit and stuff. So that was another thing I was just like, all right, you know what? Screw this. I can't even do what I want. So <laughs> I just, I just went in and quit and <laughs> that was it. Man, you're making me nervous. I've got an internship coming up this summer at a large financial institution and I'm worried about my Instagram and my YouTube stuff. So yeah. um, that compliance, I don't know, it might come back to bite me, but only gonna be yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely let me know um depending on like the type of job i would um they're really starting to regulate social media because yeah. you know it is a liability for them i completely understand but like you know if 
if that's not, if the goal for you is to not work for someone, then, um, you may have to part ways at some point. Yeah, I know. The only reason I need, I need an internship to graduate. That's like a graduation requirement. Oh, so I'm kind of like, just got to stick it out for a couple of months and hopefully, nice. hopefully nothing goes yeah. south. Yeah, go for it, dude. I'm sure they won't like, uh, with interns, I'm, I don't think they will monitor yeah. you as heavy because you know, you're not dealing with like a lot of sensitive information. Exactly. And, you know, so you should be good, but that's, I'm that's hoping. Sweet, man. I'm hoping. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your major actually? Were you finance major? Yeah, so majoring in finance, and then I had two minors in economics oh. and international business. You totally, you told me, told me that. I just, I just based on that. Also, yeah, hopping no, back yeah. to that investment game that you that your parents set up for you, uh, I actually did a very similar thing with my family. Uh, probably about eight years ago, I was very young, and they they set up this portfolio. It was just me, my mom, and my stepdad. We all had this competition going. It wasn't real money; it was just kind of play money. But mm-hmm. we all had like a thousand dollars of play money, and Whoever, I think it was yeah, it was whoever won got a hundred bucks from each of the other two. So it was it was nice. sort of down the same line, but but it definitely yeah. wasn't real money that we were playing with. <laughs> yeah, it is cool to like, you know, to actually start thinking about that type of stuff at a young age. Yeah, and like when you make it a competition, you know, it it brings out the ego in you and makes you want to <laughs> invest a little bit more wisely. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, that's cool. I, one of the best like things with with that was like my dad told us to pick companies that we actually believed in, which is what you should really do when you're investing is to pick, if you're picking like stocks, you need to be picking things that you really believe in and that are actually viable in the economy today. Yeah. And um, that's what we did. One of my best ones was Best Buy, which Mm. was, you know, that was like prime time retail there. So did well. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Throughout this time where you were starting your own businesses, were you pretty diligent about how you were using your money? And and because you had this investing experience, were you investing it? Were you saving it? Were you spending it all? What did that look like throughout like high school and college? Yeah. So in regards to my businesses, dude, this is what I recommend for anyone that's starting a business. I get people asking me all the time, like what type of businesses they should create and what you really need to do, especially with your first business is to start a business that has a low cost of entry. You don't want to be putting up a bunch of money and risking a bunch of money to start. And then you want a business with high margins. Yep. And you want a business with low overhead. So that's literally like all my businesses had pretty high margins. They had um, very low overhead. I literally had zero expenses. Like I could type (laughs) up a business plan on my laptop which I already bought, which I needed for school yep. and send it to the client. I can customize them on various applications on my computer. Um, with my Amazon business, you know, I just had to pay for gas and the like inventory and we made um, 30 to 50% margins on wow. all the products, even with the 17% fee we were paying to Amazon. And then with like digital marketing and stuff, dude, we make like 80% margins. Wow. Yeah. Well. So, and, and all of those businesses, you know, don't cost very much. So you do, you don't need to spend a lot of money. That's like one of the biggest things, but as far as like the finance aspect of things, I, I, so for my businesses, I pay myself pretty low because Mm -hmm. I'm reinvesting that into the business for more growth. Yep. But as far as like my personal goes, when I bring money in, I just have different accounts set up. So like when all my income comes into this account, mm-hmm. it's dispersed among different accounts mm-hmm. and each account is separate for a different aspect. 
of area of finance, you could say. So like 10% of my income goes into this account and, or all my income goes into this account and then 10% goes into a separate account, which is used for investments. Hmm. So I just invest 10 to 20% of my income, depending on, you know, what income level I'm at. And uh, that, that automatically gets invested. And you just have that set up to automatically like take out every time you get money in. Yeah, exactly. Cause I mean, I find that that's like a really, really good tip for people, especially people that can't budget well yep. or people that are like just starting to, you know, invest money. They, you need to automate it because mm-hmm. if you're, first of all, what that does is it makes you consistently invest, which is what you want to be doing. You want to be dollar cost averaging, absolutely. depending on what strategy you are, if you're growth or whatnot, what age you are. But then it also takes a takes out the emotional aspect to investing. And that's where a lot of people fall is when they get emotional, when they see the market dropping or they see it skyrocketing. They're like, Oh, I need to throw in more money. And then it drops and they take out money. And then it's just that cycle yep. um, that I'm sure you know about. And you cannot have emotions when investing whatsoever. And that's, that's what that does. That just takes out the emotion aspect to investing. And um, you can just set it to automatically pull the money out of that account and invest in mutual funds. Absolutely. And And there's so many, there's so many ways you can automate it between like apps and just like setting it up with your bank that that's like my first place that I always tell people to go when they're trying to get started investing. It's just like, make it automatic, make it something you don't have to think about or worry about. And it's going to be so much easier for you to do. So hopping back into your entrepreneurship for a second, can you sort of talk about when you were getting started, what were some of the biggest challenges that you were faced with maybe in your Amazon business or your landscaping business or just going out on your own after leaving your corporate job? Um, yeah. So but the thing with like in college with managing that business was just the time because I was spending so much time, like not only going to get the inventory, but having to list the inventory, like, yeah, we use scanners to like upload it quicker. Mm -hmm. And if like the product was already listed, it would get listed a lot quicker because we didn't have to put up the full listing. But I was also like, you know, finishing out my college career. So I was spending a lot of time on school as well. Yeah. The best thing that we did was I pretty much, we hired uh, three other people and that allowed that we had one person take care of inventory. We had one person actually go get the inventory. And then we had one person that kind of focused on promoting it on our campus, mm-hmm. which really increased our margins because we weren't paying that 17% fee to Amazon and we didn't have to pay shipping. And that was awesome for my time and for the margins of the business. So that helped a lot. So that's one thing I would really recommend is don't think that you can do everything yourself because if you really want to scale and have a successful business, you're going to need to hire people. And you don't have to like pay them, you know, up front. Like you can pay them by commission. That's kind of like what we're doing in our marketing agency right now. We have people prospecting for us and they get paid a commission when they set a meeting and then they get paid a percentage of the deal that's closed. Um, so that's a good way to do it. Um, another big like struggle for me getting started was you know, like right before I quit my job, you know, I told you I was doing some personal branding mm-hmm. on like Instagram and stuff. And, um, and my parents have all always thought that like, I, you know, like at least my parents and like family and just society really 
just kind of sheds light that you should go work for someone and you should like do this corporate life. And that's like yeah. the right thing to do because like while my dad ran a business um, for 17 years, he also worked for 10 years in that industry prior to starting that business. Mm. So I, when I quit my job, I got a lot of backlash from like family and friends um, about like how that's, I'm not right making the right decision and I'm doing this too early and I don't have enough experience and all this crap. And um, that, so that was kind of tough. And then the whole personal branding thing, man, when you start putting yourself out there, you're going to get a lot of hate, especially oh, yeah. like old friends and stuff. You're just going to get, I didn't get like terrible um, comments, but I definitely got some, you know, some just, just little annoying comments from people like, Oh yeah, yeah I want to go post on Instagram or something like, yeah, <laughs> I probably will dude. So um, yeah, that was probably like the biggest um, struggle, especially right when I was starting. Yeah. And it's tough to get over that at first, especially when you are putting yourself out there and making yourself so vulnerable. That's one of the biggest hurdles I feel like for people out there that they, they just never get started because they fear that they're going to get some hate comments. They're going to get some people who don't particularly vibe with them. And that's just something that's going to happen. But, but the longer you go at it and the longer you keep going, the less you care. At least that's been my experience. Like it's so much yeah. easier to just not even, not even care because like, who are they to tell you what you can and can't do? For me, it's just so much more about like, what my purpose is and what drives me than what other people think about the things that I'm doing right now. So yeah, definitely, man. And, ev and everyone has different values, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, you know, I value different things than, you know, that you do. So yeah. there's no, there's no right way to go about it. But yeah, you'll definitely get that, that insecure feeling when you're just starting and you're getting those comments. But if you just keep pushing through, man, it's definitely worth it. Yeah. Bouncing back, you said your dad had worked at a company for like 10 years before he went out on his own. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I found a statistic a couple of days ago that really surprised me. And it was that something like 75% of people who become full-time entrepreneurs, full-time starting their own business, actually spent over six years working for somebody else first. So a lot of people have this image in their head of the 18 year old who goes out, starts some billion dollar business. But in reality, there's, there's so many people who get started doing something else, figuring out what they like, figuring out what they're good at first, and then transitioning. So I think it's really important to, to not get that idea in your head of you have to get started early. You have to start, yeah. you have to like start your own business now when that, that can be valuable and you'll definitely learn a lot, but it's not the path that even most people go down. So you don't have to pressure yourself to, to come up with this huge, amazing idea at the age of 18 years old. Um, and I think that's just something that that's way overemphasized. Yeah, definitely, man. I think that, um, I think that it, like if you're going into like, you know, high school or college, it's a great idea to start a side hustle yep. while you have the time. And then if you build that up to a point where there is a, very high probability that it'll provide you enough income um, then yeah definitely go out on your own but like if you're still if you still want to do you know like work in a, in a job and gain experience that's uh, something I definitely recommend like I said with my job dude I I learned a lot from my job and my internships yeah so I wouldn't have done that any differently so I definitely agree with with what you said there absolutely and Additionally, a lot of my listeners will send me DMs on Instagram asking if they should go to college. And first of all, I am not the person to ask that question to. That's really something you should be reflecting on yourself. I'm 19 years old. I am not your life coach. Um, but moving past that, I think it's really important 
to establish that you don't necessarily have to make a choice between going to school and being an entrepreneur. For example, I'm 19 years old, I'm going to school full time, but I'm also start, I, I'm, I run a couple different online businesses through that. And I sort of had this idea in my head of before coming to school, I had to choose, okay, do I want to go to school, get a full-time job, all that jazz, or become an entrepreneur? And as I progressed through school, I realized I could do both. Because you, even if you don't think you do, you have so much time as a student, okay? I have so yeah. much free time. And if you look at how you're actually, and I mean how you're actually spending your time, there is so much time available for you to work yeah. on whatever project you're interested in. And you don't have to choose. And then once you get, like you said, once you get to that point where it's bringing in a serious income for you, then you might have to make a choice. But until then, you don't have to stress out. You don't have to think, oh, just because I'm in school, I can't work on this. Or, oh, if I want to work on this, I need to drop out right now. If you have nothing, if you haven't done anything yet, what makes you think dropping out and starting a business will be a good thing for you? It's just, it's so important to realize how much time you actually have and look at what you're actually doing with it. So I think it's really valuable that you brought that up. Yeah, definitely, man. There's a... Uh... There's a lot of opportunity if you'll just get past the point of thinking that like, you know, drinking and partying is the way to go in college. You can really put in a lot of work and build something that's really special for yourself if you're willing to put in the work. Absolutely. And I mean, everything in moderation too. Like you got to have fun. You got to enjoy your life, but yeah. also focus on the things that are important and the things that you value and that will bring you towards the places where you're looking to get. Uh, yeah. I think that's really, really big. And can you talk a little bit about, you said through this Amazon business, you started bringing on additional team members and building out that sort of base. In your, in your business ventures, what has building out your teams looked like? Have you started most things on your own or have you started most things with other people and how did that progress? Yeah, man. So as far as the, uh, the Amazon business goes, I was actually, I had two older guys that I went to high school with and they kind of like stayed back in their hometown. And then I went off to college. Um, they were, they were in college at like Ohio state and I was in, um, in Kentucky. And then, so they, they, um, they were the ones that introduced me to that Amazon business. Hmm. So I was kind of running like my own wing hmm. in, um, in college. So I was partners with, with two others. And then I, we, I built a team and like after the semester ended, then in the shoe business started getting more comp complex and competitive. Mm -hmm. They went into like, they started creating their own like baby lines and like, <laughs> like a lot, they like really scaled like a lot with their wow. clothing lines and stuff. Like I went to go check out their uh, warehouse a few months ago and they had, it's ridiculous. They had like hundreds of thousands of dollars of inventory and so they're like, they really scaled, but I kind of pivoted into the Patagonia era Mm -hmm. uh, with my business and they, um, they also weren't in school. Like they stopped going to school after they did that. Oh. And I think they, they just recently sold their store, but yeah, so I was running my own, my own gig, um, towards the end of our relationship. And as far as like the shoes towards the end of the shoes, I hired people that were on commission. Mm -hmm. And then I, some people I paid like hourly, I paid like 10 bucks an hour. Um, I paid the person on commission that was promoting on campus, like family and friends and to students, um, which I talked about increased our margins and stuff. And then I just paid um, people by like people to go get the shoes. I paid them by the number of shoes they got. And then I paid people by the number of packages that they shipped out. Hmm. So everything was pretty much on commission. Yeah. And I mean, that's a good way to go because if you don't know how hard somebody's going to work for you, you don't want to be paying them that fixed rate for them to not deliver on that. So that's yeah. also a good incentive to actually make people work harder. Yeah. You know, last semester I had a job on campus where I was 
uh, there was this startup app that I was working for and I got paid on commission for each download that I got for the app. So that definitely right. got me to hustle a lot harder and make yeah. a good bit of money working for them. So yeah, definitely vouch for, for the college student that really gets after commissions. So yeah, dude, I think that's, I mean, it's a, anytime you're investing money in yourself or your business, you got to think about like, what's the ROI of that investment. And, um, it, you can really gauge the ROI if you're giving them commission. And especially even with hourly, you can gauge that as well. But if you're just paying them, you know, like a, like whatever, like a salary or whatever, like it's a little bit harder to gauge that, especially when you're getting started. It's, it's good to put people on commission, keep yep. your expenses low and to make sure that they're actually providing more value than you are paying them. Precisely. You got to see where their incentives are at and make sure that that's aligned with what you are looking to get out of them. So completely, yeah. completely agree with that. You mentioned your father earlier as somebody who had gone out and done some entrepreneurial stuff. Was he somebody that was particularly influential on you or did you have any mentors as you were starting these businesses? You mentioned those two older guys over in Ohio that sort of helped you get this Amazon thing started. But other than that, were there any mentors that had a big impact on you? Yeah, man, I had a, um, yeah, I definitely had a good amount of mentors. Uh, my dad was definitely a big one when we, you know, like he was working his job um, pretty much up until I was age five. And then he was like doing well in his industry, which was natural gas. And uh, one, one day a lady called him, I guess he had worked with this lady prior to that. She was like, Hey, do you want to start a business? And he was like, yep. And he moved, he moved us to Columbus, Ohio. And that's where he started his business. And he ran that for 17 years and they just sold it a few years ago. Wow. Uh, but that yeah he was a big mentor i mean i saw him work a lot um especially like um around when i was seven so we moved there when i was five and then my parents got divorced at seven mm -hmm. and he was like just you know at the early stages of his business so i watched you know watched him pretty much set aside everything and really scale back on his expenses like he lived in like a small one bedroom apartment like wow. we would go over there sleep on like the couch and like so he like, yeah, dude, he put in the work. He was a big mentor to me. Um, definitely taught me um, a lot of just ethical skills. Like I was talking to him. He has a place in Tampa now. And I went to like go visit him the other day. And I was like, what is the number one thing that you think is the reason for why you're where you're at? Mm -hmm. and he pretty much just said because he was always ethical and doing business. He was always honest. He would never build, um, burn bridges. So he, that was like, I've never really heard that answer from anyone. Yeah. Usually they'll say like a hard work, a dedication, yep. like all that. But like, yeah, he's, he put that first for sure. And just like, you know, that being like real, a real person that's honest and has integrity will get you a long way if you consistently do that throughout your whole career. Absolutely. So he was, Definitely a big mentor. My mom also started businesses. I learned a lot from her. Um, both of my parents were entrepreneurial. And then um, as far as far as like in the wealth management sector, uh, I did have a few mentors there. I, like one of the people that I interned for um, in the private bank and, and with Fifth Third, it was a big mentor for me. Um, I, I would go into his office like every few weeks and he would just like teach me just t talk to me about his client relationships and uh, i'd ask him questions about like asset allocation and just economics like what he thought was going on with the market so he was a big one and then 
Yeah, man. I didn't start getting into like social media until like a few, like I just got Instagram like 12 months ago. Really? And um, yeah, because I always like just hated on social media for some reason. <laughs> and then I realized like I hear Gary Vee talk about personal branding is like so important. Yep. And I read like crush it and crush it and all that. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going for it. So right when I started getting into social media, I started getting like more mentors through that. Mm -hmm. And like, I think that you can learn from everyone, whether it's what to do or if it's what not to do. Um, I, I try to learn from everyone. And I've, like, I, th I would say my three biggest mentors um, that aren't, that are on social media that mm -hmm. I have or haven't talked to. Um, I've talked to Grant Cardone a little bit. Mm. Um, haven't talked to Gary Vee yet. And another one that I really, really like that's probably had the biggest impact on my life is Lewis Mocker. Interesting. Um, he's, yeah, he's um, he's definitely a lot smaller than like Gary and, and yeah. Cardone. I think he has like, at, at this time, he has like 44,000 followers on Instagram and, mm -hmm. you know, a few thousand subs on, on uh, YouTube. But he, yeah, dude, he provides so much value. And I've learned a lot from him. I would like Snapchat him. I've been Snapchatting him for like the last three years. And I'll ask him a question. <laughs> he'll like send me like, 10 snaps back and like answer them. Wow. So he's like, like he's a really cool dude. He's from Australia. I don't know if I mentioned that, but he's been a, had a huge impact and he's all like finance and like investing related. So yeah, he's probably been one of the biggest mentors. That's huge. I'll have to link him up and check him out. Cause I've never, yeah. I've never heard of this guy before. So yeah. I'm definitely interested to see more about him. Yeah, man. So Jeff, what is something that people wouldn't know about you by looking at your Instagram feed. You said you'd only been doing it for a year, but what is something that an interesting fact about you or something you're interested in that, that people wouldn't know about just based on scrolling through your feed? Yeah, man, that's a great question. Um, I think the biggest thing is that I don't really post about is fitness. Like I'm really into fitness. Like I work out almost every single day and I train a lot with weights and that's always been something I've been like really passionate about because I think that when you can, it's really more of like a mind exercise when you can train your mind to push your body past certain points, then you can pretty much do anything. Like, I think it, it really relates to like work as well. Like if you can, if you can get your mindset to the point where you can push yourself just a little bit further every day, that's what I try to do is push myself 1% more every day. That compounds over time. I'm sure you know about yeah. compound interest. Um, made me think about the the compound effect. I don't know if you've read that book. Not yet. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a great book. Uh, that's that's a main thing. I actually used to have a fitness account, and then really? I was like, you know what? I gotta focus on on my one real like brand, which is finance and business. So yeah, that's that's one thing. I'm also really into motorcycles. I have. Um, a, a KTM 450. I've been riding dirt bikes since I was little. And, um, and then I also have a Ninja 1000, which is like a, a street bike. So I'm really yeah, into motorcycles and, and weightlifting, pretty much anything that gives you an adrenaline rush, skydiving, <laughs> whatever I'm all about. Have you been skydiving? Yeah, man. When I was in Australia, um, I took a trip over to uh, Bali, Indonesia Wow. And then we went to the Great Barrier Reef, which is just like northern Australia. And we, uh, we went skydiving out there um, around the Great Barrier Reef. It was pretty insane. Wow. That's yeah. wild. That's really wild. Yeah. When did your, when did your interest with fitness start off? Um, at a really young age. So 
Well, okay. So I, I'm like a younger sibling. I have two older sisters. Okay. And um, I always have felt like I kind of got picked on a little bit in like middle school and stuff. And I always felt like I had to protect like my family mm. um, because I was mostly living with like my mom and sisters because my dad was like running that business and stuff. And I always felt like I was like the small, like I wrestled like they try to get me to wrestle 103 in high school mm-hmm. if that tells you how like small I was <laughs> so I started lifting in like eighth grade and um I got I started like just consistently doing it I mean it was really hard at first I remember just being so sore yeah and I so I just stuck with it stuck with it sophomore year I started getting like pretty big I think I got up to like 160 wow. by my sophomore year and then I was like you know what, let's play football because I'm like actually now <laughs> and I don't want to wrestle. So I started playing football and I learned a lot more about like proper form because we had a uh, weight training coach that was wow. like pretty good. And um, I learned a lot about lifting there. And then I've just continued since since then. So really, I started in eighth grade and I've been chugging along. So how old would I have been? I would have been like 15. And so it's been 10, 10 years. That's wild. That's wild. So yeah. you said you saw some aspects of fitness translate into business with like the willpower, willpower side of things. Are there any other parallels that you see or, or assets that you gained by focusing on fitness that translated into assets for you in your business and entrepreneurship? Yeah, definitely. Um, working out has always like helped me be more calm because like that's also it gets me away from everything. Like I just listen to music. I love going to lift by myself. Hmm. Uh, I've been lifting with my business partner a little bit recently in the past few months, but I still love going lifting by myself because I just stop thinking about everything. I just vibe the music and I'm just in my own zone. Hmm. And, um, and it also just helps like, like I said, clear your mind, which lowers stress and anxiety. Um, and then if you do it correctly and you're eating correctly, it increases your energy levels. Yep. So that's huge. And um, I've been kind of doing that where I do like go in the morning and do cardio and then I'll work until about like seven or eight, take a break and go lift. And then I'll come back, shower and work a little bit longer and then uh, and then just repeat the process. So, yeah, energy, like just your mental state is huge. And then, yeah, just pushing limits with things is, is awesome. And, and when you see growth, like when you can really measure growth, I think that's so important. And like with, with fitness, you can really measure, you know, not only your weight, um, your muscle mass, your fat, how much reps you're doing, how much weight you're doing. So it's a great way to measure personal growth. And that's been something that I've always strived to do is, is have more personal growth. Yeah, absolutely. It's good when you can put that number on things because what gets uh, measured gets managed. Is that the saying? Something like that. Exactly. So, so if you can, if you can put a number to that, it's very motivating, especially for me. I know for a lot of people as well, that it is motivating when you can see the numbers go up and see your progress. It's, it's a lot easier than when you have to wait months and months to actually see some results. Like if you're starting a business or something like that. So I can see how yeah. that would be a good way for you to stay motivated. Now, what I want to dive into is more on the credit side of things. So earlier in the show, you mentioned that you are pretty into credit, both on the uh, personal and business side of things. And one of the things that I've noticed both from your Instagram feed and just what you tend to talk about a lot is being able to use credit in order to travel uh, either for free at a, or at a discounted rate. So can you 
first just walk us through kind of how the credit card system works and how you have been able to use it to gain some free travel. Yeah. So I don't know, like we could probably go really deep into this. We could. <laughs> maybe I'll just start out with um, like FICO. Sure. Yeah. Go for it. Which is, you know, just like the personal um, measurement for credit in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, there's really five categories to it. And the biggest ones are like payment history, which is 35% of your score, yep. utilization, the average age of your accounts, and then hard inquiries and total accounts. Yep. So there's five different sections to credit that you need to be aware of. Um, and there are hacks to help with those. Um, a, a good, just to give you more context, the scores range anywhere from like 300 to 850. And, um, you should be shooting once you get over like 700 to 720. Mm -hmm. That's when you can really start getting good cards. Once you're over like 740, you can really start getting the higher end travel cards, which, um, you know, everyone strives to get because you get all the cool like airport lounges, you get um, a lot higher bonuses, a lot higher rewards. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of a little overview of FICO. Do you want me to talk about like some of the hacks with that? Or do you want me to touch more on the scoring model or how do you want um, to So we had the guys on self lender come on a couple of weeks ago and they talked about sort of how the scoring works. So I want wow. to focus more on maybe what were some of the first cards that you got? When did you first start getting into credit cards? Yeah. So, um, I, I really didn't start. I got added as an authorized user, which really helped yeah. like, the average age of my accounts and, um, my payment history and all of that. Um, you go so over that, what that means really quick. What would you say? Could you go over what that means to be an authorized user really quick, just for our listeners that aren't familiar? Yeah. So this, um, this little hack that's been around for like 30 years now. And what, what you do is you have like a family or friend add you as an authorized user onto their account. So that gives you, you adopt the full history of that credit account that they add you to. So mm -hmm. that, uh, that affects your utilization, which is like the amount of debt you're using affects your payment history. It, you assuming that they make good payments on time payments with their accounts and then it affects the average age of your accounts and it adds another total account to that category as well. So, um, what that does is you just adopt the full history on that credit account and it doesn't negatively impact whoever's adding you as an authorized user. It, um, it literally just helps you and they don't even have to give you like the credit card. And yeah. so it literally, it helps with four categories four of the factors within credit, which is makes up like 90% of your score. The only thing yeah. it doesn't really help with is hard inquiries. But I mean, you're getting a new line without having to do a hard inquiry. So exactly. you could even make a case exactly. for it there. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it does work for all, all five factors there. Um, as far as, so yeah, if you don't have like someone to add you as an authorized user, um, you can buy trade lines, mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, these companies just, have these accounts where they'll, they'll add you as an authorized user for a fee. It's the same thing as the authorized user hack, but you're just buying your way into it. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I, I've seen you talk a little bit about, and a lot of people are talking about now is that like whole concept of buying a good credit score and trade lines. And one thing to know with trade lines is that the more that you add and the more authorized user accounts that you add, the less of an impact it's going to have on your mm -hmm. score. So you really need to be building like your, your primary accounts, but it's a great way to like bump your score up quickly and to start building credit. Um, pretty much like where I started was I started with, um, I think I started with fifth, third first, 
And then I went into Chase and I got like the Freedom and Freedom Unlimited. Yep. And then I moved into like the Sapphire and the City Prestige and like Amex cards. So I, I, I started out real low level. I didn't have to get a secured card to start, which is what a lot of people do to build credit. Um, so I was lucky because I got added as an authorized user on yeah. an account that had 15 years. Wow. On time payment history. So that really that's, helped. That's huge. That's a yeah. long, that's a long time. Yeah. And then, <laughs> I, um, after I was still stuck, um, like between like the five and 10 year range on like the average age of my account. So I added a, uh, a trade line that has like 43 years of <laughs> positive history. And that really helped there. <laughs> 43 years. My God, that's yeah. wild. That's really wild. So just to give our, our audience a little, a little reference point about how many credit cards do you have at this current moment? Yeah. Like, so I have 19. Wow. Um, you need to have uh, 21 total accounts on your, and I also have like, you know, like an auto loan. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's another thing with credit is you need to have 21 total accounts to get a perfect score. Yep. But you also want a good diversity of accounts. So you don't just want all credit cards. You want to have like, you know, if you have a mortgage, you can, that'll help you out. If you have an auto loan, if you have personal loans, if you have credit cards, you want like a good combination of things. So I have like personal lines of credit with banks and then I have, you know, my credit cards and then my auto loan. So um, that's, that's pretty much my diversity of, of things there. Are you shooting for a perfect score right now? Like, is your goal to get an 850 or is it more to just get the experiences that you can get from having good credit? Yeah, man. So I, I don't really understand why people go for the perfect 850 <laughs> when you get, unless you just OCD about it. But like, honestly, if once you're over 800, they're pretty much looking at you the same. You're not going to get much lower of an interest rate. And that's not, I don't need to like go to bars and like tell girls that I have a perfect 850. <laughs> Um, actually when I was getting my car, uh, when I got my, like my new car, uh, the sales lady was like, wow, you have a really good credit score. I think it was like 780 at the time or whatever. And, um, I actually started dating her for a little bit. So maybe that helped there. I don't know, but, um, I could have use your credit score to get the ladies guys. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But so yeah, dude, I don't shoot for a perfect, I just try to stay around 800 and, um, what I'm doing because my score varies like a lot because I leverage it both like with my business credit and my personal credit mm -hmm. because like uh, I leverage 0% interest yeah. for 12 to 18 months. And so like my utilization makes up 30% of your score. So when I'm utilizing my credit, my score will drop and I just pay it off and it goes back up. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I use credit for to scale and then I use credit to travel. That's very uh, interesting. Yeah. I never, I never thought about that using, using like the intro APRs in order to scale your business and to get some essentially free borrowing for a certain specified amount of time. So that's very interesting exactly. uh, concept. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about some of your coolest experiences that you have had by utilizing credit to travel? Yeah. So once you get up like, okay, so like last week we, I think it was actually two weeks ago, we went to Tampa. Uh, we stayed at three different resorts and we flew there. So we flew there and back. I sat first class too on the way there. I didn't get the ticket on the way back, but I only used 16,000 points. Wow. And to fly there and back. And um, like we, we booked another trip to Bali 
um, Indonesia, and we're paying 46,000 points there and back for that. Um, and then we're also going to, I'm go, we're going to, we just booked Cabo last night, which is like <laughs> right after the new year. Um, and we're going there for four, 40,600 points. Jeez. Do you just so, have like a huge stockpile of points? Um, yeah. So I, little thing, some tips about travel. First of all, um, there's something called um, hidden city ticketing, which I use actually went to Atlanta for a conference uh, like a few months ago. And what I did was I booked my flight to Tampa and then the event was in Atlanta. So I would just get off at the layover in Atlanta mm-hmm. and then I, and I saved literally 60% on <laughs> So that's a big, big hack. It works about like 30% of the time, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something that I use for short trips. One thing you have to know with that is you don't want to, do that and check a bag because yep. your bag, you know where your bag's going. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, that's what I do for short trips, like little week trips. Mm-hmm. I'll just bring a carry on and just get off there and then just book my flight home as well. Um, I, I just check, you know, with a few different um, travel agencies and then also there's airfares. So like these airlines will misprice flights Hmm. and also or they'll like they, they just have like a bunch of seats left over and they'll just drop the price because they need to sell tickets mm-hmm. and there's certain like sites that i use just to like monitor that stuff and and i'll and i'll get like emails so i can you can put in like your preference of where you want to go and they'll just like shoot you an email when it like, drops really um yeah Do and you have then any examples of those for our listeners yeah so airfare watchdog is a good one i'm using scott's cheap flights oh i've heard of that yeah and then uh next vacay um there's a lot if you just do your research honestly like one of the best ones that i use is skyscanner i'm not sure if you've used that but like it doesn't uh, it doesn't update you but it's an app that you just get on your phone oh dude like they like literally 90 percent of the time they have the cheapest flights wow okay i use that a lot all these resources in the, in the show notes as well for you guys. And, and definitely feel free to look up some more as well. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And then the last like real hack with uh, travel. So those two weren't even like with credit at all. Yeah. No, those are just travel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it, like, once you get those flights for cheap, I just leverage my points to pay for those flights. <laughs> and depending on how you transfer your points or use your points, um, you usually only pay like taxes. So I, I literally pay under like $25 for almost every single flight I take. Wow. And uh, sometimes it's completely free. Like I said, depending on the way you use the points. Um, but one of the, one of the methods there, there's a few, um, I'll just touch on like two of them. Mm-hmm. The main one is award stacking. So this is just taking advantage of those big bonuses that you get with credit cards. And I, I always shoot, I always shoot for the 50 to hundred K. I just got my, my roommate actually, he got the Hilton honors uh, card the other, like literally three days ago wow. and he got 125 K bonus on that. So wow. he can, and you can transfer those points as well, but that's something else we can talk about. So yeah, award stacking, you can get credit cards every two to three months mm-hmm. um, because of like, there's certain, when you're applying for credit, you need to have less than five in hard inquiries in the last six months. So you apply for these cards every two to three months, you meet the spending requirements of them. 
if you can't, you know, lever you can leverage almost all your expenses, your rent, your utilities, yep. your food, everything that through that card. And it's usually the, the expenses are usually like to meet that spend requirement. It's only like $2,000 usually. Mm -hmm. um, and then you secure those points and then you just leverage those points to travel and you can use them with, with hotels or airlines. And I just do that literally every two months and I keep my hard inquiries down and I get anywhere from 50 to a hundred and you can get up to 150 K bonuses. Wow. And I just meet the spend requirements and then I just get those points and just leverage them. Yeah. I mean, those sign-up bonuses are definitely where it's at as far as, as far as credit card rewards go. And for those of you that aren't familiar, basically what that looks like is if you spend like a certain amount, like in that case, you said 2000, you spend $2,000 in the first three months on this card, they're going to give you a big fat stack of points in if you can do it in the first three months to sort of reward you for that initial spending. And in my, in my experience, that's mostly because they're trying to get you in the habit of using this card. That's sort of what they're sort of incentive is behind these sign-up bonuses? Do you have any better uh, sort of like rationale behind why these are offered? Yeah, dude, as far as like banks and, and uh, finance institutions, credit cards are by far like their biggest margin. Yeah. Um, if they're hoping that you spend a lot on your credit card and pay the, the heavy interest on it and you just... Um, you spend a ton of money in interest, which you will, because like if you max out a $10,000 credit card, oh God. you're going to be paying on that for over 20, 25 years. And you're going to be paying over 50 K in interest, oh, which oh, is ridiculous. First. So you're going to be paying over 60 K to pay that $10,000 credit card back. And while that's what they hope you do, yeah. honestly, you, they hope that you just make the minimum payment and you pay the high interest because that's what the masses do. Yep. Um, that's obviously not what I do and what any oh. person should do. But, um, yeah, that's, 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 I mean, they really want to keep you as a client and they'll do pretty much whatever it takes, whether that's like waiving the annual fee or there's mm -hmm. like hacks around that as well. But, um, yeah, that's a big, big, big moneymaker for these banks. Yeah. And just guys, make sure you're using your credit cards responsibly. Again, there's a lot of benefits you can get from them, but if you're not using them responsibly, if you're paying thousands and thousands of interest every single year, it, it's probably not going to add up and you're probably going to be losing out in the, in the long term. Even if you are getting some free flights here and there, paying all that money in interest is not, it's not going to be worth it for you in the long term. So yeah, I think that's really important to hit on. Yeah. I have a, um, I have like a little credit course and like I made the first module to all about debt and like how to manage debt and how to pay 0% interest and like how to not get taken advantage of because like while there's so many rewards with credit cards, you can really dig yourself into a deep hole oh, yeah. if you don't do it correctly. So that is by far the most important aspect to this is like, don't spend money that you don't have. And um, if you're paying high interest, there's definitely ways around it. You just have to do your research. Completely agree. And if, if you guys can't handle credit cards, I've got a great guy for you. His name's Dave Ramsey. Turn off this podcast right now and go yeah. start watching some Dave Ramsey videos because he'll whip you into shape if yeah. you're having some issues with debt. So 100%. I've got some, I've got some questions here that I like to ask all of my guests. They're short questions. Don't have to be short answers. So let's just hop right in. The first one is what are you excited about right now? Now this can be some kind of global trend that's emerging something in your business, something in credit card rewards, just one thing in the, in the, in the sort of global sphere that you're excited about right now. Man, I am uh I'm really excited about a lot of things. Like with our business, we're scaling a lot. We're going to different niches. 
with credit, like my consulting's picking up a lot and I've been helped, like been able to help so many people. I get messages like every day about mm -hmm. people saving hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month and like traveling for free. So that's really yep. cool. Um, really excited for that. I think a very like cool trend, which I don't really want to talk a ton about, but I think a very interesting thing is cryptocurrency. Ooh. Um, I've been like, I actually bought my first like Bitcoin in 2012. Really? Uh, yeah, but I, I didn't hold on to it. So <laughs> I actually was buying a lot of them. Like I, I, I had, I, yeah, I bought them when they were, I bought them for $7 and 20 cents. Wow. And I bought, you know, probably anywhere from 50 to a hundred of them. Jeez. So I would be mega wealthy if I held on to those. <laughs> I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, exactly. So um, I don't even think about that anymore. Nah. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've been trading crypto a little bit uh, the past few years. And I just really think the applications are very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and it, I think it's hilarious just seeing all the people that like talk about it. Everyone's <laughs> like an expert in Bitcoin. Oh, crypto. Yeah. Um, it gets a little ridiculous, but it's so interesting because this is a new asset. Like this yeah. is a completely new asset class, which really we haven't seen in a very long time. Um, you know, stocks have been around for hundreds of years. Bonds have been around for a long time. Commodities have been around since yeah. <laughs> so I think crypto is a very interesting and I'm very interested to see what's going to happen here in the next few years. Mm, totally, totally with you on that. The next one is what habits have really served you most throughout your time as an entrepreneur or just throughout your life? I know you said fitness was really big for you. Uh, are any other ones that really uh, come to mind? Man, so I don't, I, uh, a few, like a year ago, really actually only like 10 months ago, I completely changed all of my habits. Really? Um, I, I, like in college, I developed just some bad habits, just like eating, I was drinking and um, occasionally using tobacco and stuff. And um, I read a book called The Power of Habit. Yep. And um, that really helped me to get started on creating better habits. So I've literally, I've cut out sugar, wow. I've cut out alcohol, I've cut out tobacco, I've cut out pretty much anything that's unhealthy in my life and replaced them with productive things and progressive things that actually improve my life mm. and better my chances of living my mission for a longer period of time. So that's Love been it. a big thing. I, if you're looking, if you are looking to change your habits, uh, I actually had a few people ask me about this yesterday because I always talk about change on like my Instagram and mm -hmm. I have people reach out about it all the time. And um, I read that book and a good thing to do is to stay, stick with your change for 70 to 80 days. I always recommend like three months because that's how long it takes to develop a new habit. It's yep. anywhere between like 60 to 75 days is what um, the research shows. And you have to do it consistently every day. So if you're doing, if you're creating a new habit, it's going to suck for a little bit, but stick with it for a few months, at least two to three months. And uh, it gets, a, it gets a lot easier after that. Absolutely. Completely agree. And so many people get in this like short term thinking of, I'm going to go on this diet for a month and then they're just going to fall right back into where they were before. So yeah. it's important to, to keep in mind, you're going to be around for a while and you want to be developing long-term habits and things that you're going to be able to maintain for the long term because it's not just like a short-term game. It's not just like, okay, if I lose five pounds this month, that's great. But like, if you go back to where you were at before, then, then what was the point? So that's, yeah. that's my two cents on that. What, uh, what do you do in your business or just in your life that doesn't scale? So for example, I know me personally, I send a lot of 
DMs, video DMs to my, uh, to just random followers. I'll pick like 10 people a day and just say, Hey, what's up? But do you do anything in your business that isn't particularly scalable? Yeah. Um, it's funny that you mentioned like that whole video message thing, because that's actually one of the, we have like three methods to prospecting our clients. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like the digital marketing side of things go. Sure. And, um, one of the main ones is sending those video DMS and mm. we do that through like, you know, mostly through Facebook messenger. And so that's not really scalable, but we've created some scale to that by hiring those employees that we just hired. Mm. So we got them prospecting for us and they're using our methods. Um, another thing that's not really scalable is my consulting. So I do one-on-one consulting for uh, businesses and just personal credit. And, um, that I help businesses like set up LLCs correctly and get established and that build credit correctly. And, um, that's, that's one thing that doesn't scale, but, um, the rewards are definitely there for me and for the client. So it's definitely something I'll continue for sure. But, um, yeah, I'd say that's probably the biggest thing that doesn't scale. Completely agree. And it's huge to, to, to make time for these things that don't particularly scale, but have a huge, huge impact. So I think that's, that's really impactful that you have some of these things going on. Last yeah. thing is just where can people find out more about you, what you're up to, uh, and, and learn some more stuff about credit from you. Um, so yeah, um, today I'm really like just launching my YouTube channel. Ooh. So I'm going to be talking, yeah, a lot about, um, finance and really just starting out with credit, um, nice. because like really what I specialize at the time of this recording. And, um, I, but really honestly, like how you found me was, is Instagram. Like I'm always on Instagram. Um, I'm always answering questions. I try to post consistently every day and I definitely do on my stories. I drop a ton of value on my stories. Yep. I have dozens of stories saved, um, as highlights. I'm sure you know what highlights are. Yep. Um, they're just below like the bio and someone's profile. And I just try to provide as much value. I think I have like right now, I think I have like 12 or 13 that are on, um, credit right now. Wow. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's probably, that's probably the best place to find me is Instagram. So at Jeff Seconder, it's J E F F S E K I N G E R. Awesome. And we should link that up in the show notes as well. Jeff, any closing thoughts you have for our listeners today? Um, no, man, I, I really like that you brought up that one thing about credit cards, like just don't spend money that you don't have while you can do so many cool things with credit cards. Try You need to not spend money that you don't have because you can dig yourself into a hole. And if you're going for it entrepreneurial, just realize that you got to stick to it and it takes time. Like patience is really a virtue and you really need to have that long-term perspective and get away from the short-term thinking. So that I, that's the biggest recommendation I would give to your audience. Absolutely. Be responsible out there, kids. Thanks, awesome. for, thanks for talking today, Jeff. Thanks, bro. Thanks for listening to this episode of Young Smart Money. If you want to support the show, you can do so in three different ways. You can subscribe, you can leave me five, and you can share this episode with a friend. To subscribe, all you got to do is click the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. To leave me five, 
all you got to do is scroll all the way down to the bottom of the podcast page for Young Smart Money and click on the write a review button. And to share with a friend, all you got to do is screenshot yourself listening to this episode, post on your Instagram story, tag me, and I will be sure to repost it in my Instagram story as well. I love giving you guys some attention who are listening to the show. Thanks for listening and I'll see you in the next one.